one semester of law school. One semester of criminal justice. Two experts. I'm Kristen Caruso. I'm Brandi Pond. Let's go to court. On this episode... Oh, I'm so- <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> I, I can't believe I almost read that. Okay, you go ahead. On this episode, I'll be talking about the murder of Michelle Young. And so will I. No, you <laughs> I, I went in so confident. You did. You were just gonna. You're just gonna read the whole thing uh-huh. there. Yep. Send that file over. I'll. I'll read you the case right back. To you. That's right. They were the perfect. Yeah. Couple. What if I just sent this over to you and you read it for me? I mean, it could be a fun way to mix things up. <laughs> don't you agree? Happy. Oh well, it's, ha- it's happy Valentine's Day for us today. But Aww. when this comes out, it won't be Valentine's Day anymore. So happy belated Valentine's Day, everyone. I think they really appreciate that. I can tell. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's also parade day here in Kansas City. Don't say it like that. You don't like the parade. I like watching the parade footage. I have zero interest in mm-hmm. going to the parade. Mm-hmm. Too people-y. people <laughs> Yes. But you're a people person. I am a people person. You're also um, a purple people eater. <laughs> I'm not a purple people eater. I am a people person. I don't like being around large groups of people mm-hmm. because I get anxious that I'm not going to be able to get out of the crowd. I have to have like a clear exit path. Like that so time you almost died, I almost in, died Victoria in Victoria's Secret. Secret. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly like that. Anyone who's worried, uh, <laughs> she did not really almost I die, really, but, but <laughs> in the Lifetime movie that they'll make about it, she will almost die. <laughs> Trampled by push-up bras. That's right. That's right. No, so I uh, like to movie, watch it. I guess it. the push-up bras come to life. Sorry, I made an error there. <laughs> Continue. I, um, I, I like... The idea of the parade, I like mm-hmm. to watch it from the comfort of my home where there are a limited number of people. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be at the parade. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Is this just because you weren't invited? I think everybody was invited. <laughs> 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 no, I haven't. I don't think Taylor, I don't think Taylor Swift made an appearance at the parade today, unfortunately. People, they were expecting a lot more people because there was a chance that she would be there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she's probably in some suite somewhere, living it up. No, she's got to be on a plane to fucking Australia. Oh, boy, you're really keeping track. I read the whole article about about logistically if she could do the parade. And that was like at the the earliest flight she could get, like on her own personal jet, obviously. But the earliest she could get out of Kansas City would put her in Australia at 5 a.m. Friday. Uh And she has a concert at 6 p.m. Friday. So people were talking about if she was going to. Yeah do that or not. Anyway, I've voted way too much time to I've, this. I'm worried that she wasn't going to catch her Southwest flight. She'd She's not flying on Southwest. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know what I think we should do right now? An ad? We should. Doodaloo. Kristen. Yes? We have been talking about the Athena Razor for a while now on this podcast. You'd think we'd be sick of it? We're not. We're not. And now I've been seeing it all over my TikTok and hearing about it from other influencers. And so I was pretty excited that they also support our show. So We're kind of a big deal. We are. <laughs> yeah, it gives you the easiest, smoothest shave ever. It's truly worth the hype. If you haven't tried it, you really need to give it a shot. So step up your shaving game now with Athena Club's award-winning razor kit. It's seriously the best on the market, and here's why. First of all, the price. The Athena Club razor kit is an absolute steal at just $10. 
But don't let the price fool you. This razor packs a serious punch. <laughs> it comes with a beautifully made ergonomic handle and two super sharp razor heads that deliver an incredibly smooth shave every time. Yes? You, he you heard about this magnetic hook? I've heard of it. You also get a game-changing magnetic hook in the razor kit for easy storage. This means no sitting your razor on the edge of your tub, no more goopy blades, no more razor falling down to your shower in the middle of the night, clanking around, you think you've got an intruder. <laughs> Finally, a solution. <laughs> Are you ready to upgrade your shaving experience? Switch to the best razor on the market and show your skin you care with Athena Club. Head over to athenaclub.com to try their award-winning razor and body products and get 20% off your purchase with code LGTC at checkout. You can also find Athena Club razors at your local Target store. Trust me, you won't look back. Happy shaving. And we're back from the ad. Doodaloo! Doodaloo. Are you ready to hear a story? Well, first of all, um, we just recorded a bonus episode oh, yeah. for our Patreon. Oh, yeah. Man. Hot new bonus episode out. Brandy hated the hated the case I did. I sure did. I and don't think you've ever hated a case more, honestly. Uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, it was up there for No, I hated Bold Guy more than that. Oh. Yeah. I'm, see, the ones I love. Yeah. You just can't stand them. No. I did a cringy one, the super folks. cringy, super cringy. Mm -mm -mm. Check it out, <laughs> won't you? <laughs> it's only $5 to cringe all day. <laughs> uh, yeah, jo join us over there, won't you? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> all right, now can I tell you a story? Uh, yes, yes. Okay. I am ready. All right, it's terrible. Oh, great. Okay. Mm -hmm. Shout out to ChillingCrimes.com. Mm. You know, one of my favorite sources. Truly, they have a very large piece on this case that covered the trial very thoroughly. So, oh. biggest shout out. Somebody creamed her jeans when I, she saw I that. I did. Goodness. I did. Brandy, that's disgusting. Please don't okay, talk about that. Okay, you said it. <laughs> no, no. Sometimes... Sometimes you do that imitation of Oh, me that was me throwing my voice. Yeah, yeah. And I, I don't much appreciate it. Thank you. Also to an episode of Dateline hmm. in this case. It was a Keith Morrison episode. So oh, okay. I kind of liked it. Mm -hmm. All right. All right. Very good. Are you ready? Yeah. Jason Young was kicking himself. Hmm. It was November 3rd day after your birthday, mm -hmm. 2006, and Jason was in Virginia on a business trip when he realized that he had left some eBay printouts in the family office in his home back in Raleigh, North Carolina. <laughs> okay. <laughs> More specifically, these were printouts of coach purses. Jason had been shopping for a belated anniversary present for his wife, Michelle, and now his bonehead move was going to potentially ruin the surprise. Why does your face look like that? Why did he print out? The I had the same <laughs> fucking so question. Weird to me. It is so weird to me, too. <laughs> okay. So Jason called his wife's sister, Meredith Fisher, and asked if she could go over to the house and retrieve the printouts in hopes that Michelle hadn't stumbled upon them yet. Jason thought his chances of that were pretty good as Michelle had been on her own with the couple's two-year-old daughter, Cassidy, since he had left for his business trip the previous night. Michelle was also five months pregnant with the couple's second child, which oh, was gosh, a boy. Yeah. Meredith got the phone call from Jason and was like, absolutely, no problem. I'll head over. I'll grab the papers. I'm not even curious as to why the hell you printed <laughs> right. out eBay listings. <laughs> 
<laughs> it was just about one o'clock in the afternoon when Meredith arrived at Jason and Michelle's house. She went in through the garage. The garage door had actually been broken for a while, so she knew she could just manually lift it and then enter the house from there. They never locked the door that went from the garage to the kitchen, which I do have concerns about with the garage door being broken. Well, especially in the context of this story, I imagine. Yes. Okay. Yep. Mm -hmm. As soon as Meredith opened the garage door, though, she was surprised to see Michelle's car there. She had assumed that she wouldn't be there when Jason had asked her to go over, but Meredith kind of shrugged it off and went into the house anyway. Immediately upon entering, though, Meredith said something just felt off. The house felt eerily cold. As she walked through the kitchen, Meredith noticed that Michelle's purse and keys were sitting on the counter, so she called out to her sister, but there was no response. Meredith continued to move through the house toward the stairs that would take her to the office, all the while listening for Michelle or Cassidy, her two-year-old niece, but all she heard was the family dog, Mr. G. I like that name. I like that, too. She could hear him whimpering, but she couldn't tell where he was. Meredith made it to the stairs, and she had just started to make her way up them when she noticed something at the top of the staircase. There was some kind of red substance all over the floor at the top of the stairs. Meredith initially thought it must have been like red hair dye, Mm. but when she reached the top of the stairs, she saw her sister lying on the floor face down. The red substance that Meredith had seen wasn't hair dye. It was blood, and it was everywhere. Michelle was dead, and it appeared she had been brutally beaten to death. She was lying in a pool of her own blood when Meredith found her. Meredith immediately ran to call 911, and as she did, she heard a noise behind her. It startled her. Was it the two-year-old? She was relieved to find out that the noise was just Cassidy, her two-year-old niece, emerging from her hiding place under the covers on the bed. Oh, my God. Brandy. I know. She clung to Meredith. She was physically unharmed. Mm. And Cassidy asked her aunt for Band-Aids. Oh. She said that her mommy had boo-boos everywhere. Oh, my God. I hate you for telling this story. I know. I just can't even imagine. No. So Meredith gets on the phone with 911. All the while, Cassidy is kind of like chattering to her in the background, telling her different things. And this is captured on the 911 call. You can hear her talking in the background. She kept saying the mommy has boo-boos everywhere kind of thing. She just kept Mm -hmm. saying lots of different things. And not all of it is... What's the is relevant? No, no, no. Audible? Um, Not audible, but where you can understand what she's saying. I want to say legible, but, but that's, that's when it's not written. right either. Um, Unintelligible it, is what they say when you can't. Uh, intelligible, yes. Is, is that, that right? It doesn't seem right. I don't right. think that's right either. Um, okay. <laughs> okay, it doesn't really matter. We but you get can't it. understand everything she's saying, but yeah. you can understand bits and pieces. Yeah. I mean, she's two. Right. So Meredith told the operator that she thought that Cassidy said there was somebody in the house. Mm hmm. Obviously, she relayed everything that she had seen. They told her to get out of the house, wait in the driveway for the police to get there. As she was waiting for police to come, the dispatcher did ask a few questions. Was there 
anybody that she could think of that Michelle, you know, might want to harm Michelle. Did Michelle mm-hmm. have any enemies? Did she have any problems? Like, you know, who, yeah. who could have done something like this? And Meredith told the dispatcher that Michelle and her husband, Jason, did fight pretty frequently. But as far as she knew, it never rose to the level of, like, physical violence or anything like mm-hmm. that. She told them that she couldn't think of anybody who would want to harm Michelle. And she did tell them also along the course of this call that it appeared that Cassidy had been left at this scene with this for a very long time as there were little tiny bloody footprints oh. all over the house. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. I can't even imagine what that little girl went through. Wait, how long had how long had this been? How so, long had she died, basically? Um, not really sure. Okay. And okay. Michelle had been had been dead for several hours by the time okay. the police got there. So it wasn't a matter of like days that this No, 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 no. I was starting not to wonder days, why no. why the husband hadn't no, called. No, not days. And, okay. Several hours though. That's terrible. Yes. When paramedics arrived at the house, they confirmed that yes, Michelle was dead and spoiler had been dead for quite some time. Yeah. They did check Cassidy over to see if she was injured, and she was not physically harmed. Mm -hmm. She had dried blood all over her feet from where she had tracked it through the house, and there was some on the bottom of her pajama pants, but no physical injuries to her. Police obviously did a thorough search of the scene, and it was kind of interesting. Obviously, there was no sign of forced entry into the home, but the home was also not secured. They knew that because... The sister had been able to come in, no problem. There was some blood on the doorknob from the kitchen to the garage. They later were able to confirm that this was actually Michelle's blood. Likely that's the way her killer left the house. The house had not been ransacked in any way. This did not appear to be a robbery gone wrong, nothing like that. There was a couple of things missing from the home. They were kind of weird. There were two drawers Missing from Michelle's jewelry box that sat on top of her dresser. Like the entire drawer? The entire, yeah. So it's like a three-drawer jewelry box. Jewelry box. (laughs) That's super easy to say. The top two drawers of it were completely gone. Okay, that's weird. And then Michelle's wedding ring and engagement ring were gone as well. But that's all that was missing from the house. The house hadn't been ransacked. That just feels like a stage, like they tried to stage it like a robbery when yeah. it really wasn't. Yeah. Like, hey, just so you know, I went through the jewelry box right. and here's proof because I took the drawers with me. Right. So the husband did this. Oh, calling it this early? Well, I, I, I've i been calling it from the get-go <laughs> in my head to myself, afraid I'm getting it wrong, but All right. pretty sure I'm getting it All right. right. All right. Michelle was obviously taken from the scene and and processed. She was dressed in sweatpants and like a a zip-up sweatshirt. Mm -hmm. Rigor mortis had already set in. Like hours had passed since she had died. There was blood everywhere in the bedroom. That's where she was found in the primary bedroom. So there were two closets in this primary bedroom, like a Mm -hmm. his and hers closet. And they were labeled that way, which I think is kind of weird. But she was found in front of the one marked his closet. And there was a little doll placed right by her head. Oh, would you cut it the fuck out? I think that's that's it. I think, yeah, I know. Yeah. 
as I've been researching it, all I can think of is this day. I, I, I'm sure that I told you about this day when this happened. It was this summer. David was homesick. Mm-hmm. Well, he. This was when David got shingles. Yeah. And London had the stomach bug. Yeah. So they were both homesick together. Mm-hmm. I was texting David all morning because well, I was at work. And all of a sudden he stopped texting me. Yeah. And an hour went by that I could not get a hold of him. Yeah. And so I'm just picturing in my head that something has happened to him. Yep. And he's on the floor in our house. And London is sitting next to him trying to wake him up. Yeah. So I left work. I had, like, I couldn't get a hold of him. I left work. Yeah. Went home. I walk in the door. London comes running up to me and she goes, yeah. Mommy, you're home. Oh, God. And I'm freaking, I've cried the whole way. I'm yeah, like yeah, yeah. panicked that something has happened. Yeah. And I walk in and it turns out that David had just fallen asleep. He was so sick. Yeah. And just like, he felt terrible that he had As fallen he asleep. Should've. No, he should not have. What the like, fuck? Clearly, Taking he was not nap? well enough to be <laughs> taking care of somebody else. Yeah, like, yeah. no, it was just he was just so sick, and like yeah. he. So I wake him up, and I'm just standing there. I wake him up. I'm standing there crying. Yeah, and he's like, "Oh my god, what are you doing here? What are you doing here?" <gasps> oh. And I was like. I've been trying to get a hold of you for an hour. That's something terrible happened. He has, like, never felt worse about something in his life. I was like, you did nothing wrong. Yeah. Like, this is not that you did something wrong. I just, I couldn't get a hold of you. And I was panicked. Yeah. Yeah. Because all I could picture was London not being able to wake her daddy up. Yeah. Anyway, glad I told that story when this little girl has been through this horrible, traumatizing thing. Well, you didn't make it worse. No. Or better, Or better. Didn't make it better. (laughs) (laughs) Ugh. As police were processing the scene, Meredith called her and Michelle's mother, Linda Fisher, and told her what she had discovered, what had happened. Yeah. Linda then called Jason's mother, her name's Pat, uh, and told her the news. And at that time, Jason had, like, finished up his business meeting that he was in Virginia for, and he was en route to his mother's house in Perhaps you can help me with this pronunciation. Mm. Brevard, North Carolina. Brevard? You ever heard of this? Spell it. B-R-E-V-A-R-D. Brevard. Brevard. No, I have no idea. Bre- okay. Anyway, she lived in Brevard, 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 uh-huh. North Carolina. So he was driving from this business meeting that he was at in Virginia to his mom's house in Brevard, North Carolina. Hang where on. I'm you, I, you I, looking I, this I up? have to know Okay. Now. Okay. Because if he's driving down from... Virginia. Well, gosh, that's quite a drive. Okay. Yeah, it was. It was be like a several hour drive to his mom's house, so then it's a shorter drive home the next morning. He was going to okay. spend the night. His gotcha. mom had some furniture she was giving him, yeah. and whatever. Okay. So, so he is in route. That's the only reason I believe that Linda called his mom rather yeah. than calling him. And as soon as he arrived there that night, his stepdad told him what had happened. He called and talked to Meredith at that point. And Meredith told him at that point that the police were telling him, like, telling her, like, this is a homicide. Like, this is, this was not an accident. Like, this is. Well, no shit. I don't think that they had let him in on oh, all okay, of the okay. circumstances of oh, everything see, at this point. I'm sorry. I'll out, calm down. He found out that something had happened to yes. Michelle. And then once he talked to Meredith, she's like, no, it's like really bad. She's, she was brutally murdered. Yeah. Immediately, Jason and his family got in the car and headed back to to Raleigh to be mm-hmm. there for all of this investigation and everything and be there for Cassidy. And when they were in route to Raleigh, Jason kept getting phone calls from his friends. And they were like, hey, we got a call from the police. Like, 
they said something bad's happened and they're yeah. asking questions about if you guys are having marital problems and stuff like what's going on like just trying to get you know more more information it seems like this investigation like really ramped up very quickly mm-hmm. at that point jason called and spoke to an attorney and the attorney said don't answer any questions yep don't even meet with the police Ooh, well, I don't know about that. Wouldn't you want to meet with them with your attorney just so you can give them information? That's sure what I would think. But this is what he says. This is what he says is the advice he was given. And so I believe it. I mean, uh, yeah. yeah. As soon as he got back to Raleigh, the police were like, "Okay, let's go. Let's go talk. And he's like, I will not be sitting down with you on the advice of my counsel. Mm -hmm. And they were like, "Okay." Can we just get like a basic statement about where you were last night? And he just repeated the same thing. I will not be making any statements on the advice of my counsel. I know that looks really bad. It does. It's very smart. It's very smart. I agree. It's very smart. And so police were like, cool. And this, I believe, pretty quickly got reported that Jason was not cooperating with the investigation. Mm -hmm. So now police are like, Fine. I guess we'll figure out – we'll retrace his steps on our own. Yeah. Figure out where he's been. So they they put together that on November 2nd, Jason had left Raleigh to go to Virginia. So he had a sales call at 10 a.m. in Clintwood, Virginia on Friday morning. So that would be about a five-hour drive from home. So he was splitting the distance. He was driving about two and a half hours this night, staying overnight, and mm-hmm. then driving the rest of the way in the morning. They also learned that Michelle had made plans with Jason being gone. She was going to have her friend over to the house to watch Grey's Anatomy. Mm-hmm. Well, it was 2006, wasn't yes. it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they reached out to Shelly Shod. Shelly was, was Michelle's friend. And she said, yeah, absolutely. I came over to Michelle's house last night. I got there about 6.30 p.m. Jason was actually still there when I got there. And we invited him to go get some dinner with us. Mm-hmm. And Shelly said that Jason had said, no, thank you, that he was going to eat. He had plans to eat at Cracker Barrel on his way (laughs) to Virginia. Okay. He had booked a room at the Hampton Inn in Hillsville, Virginia, for the night. He planned to stay there before driving from Hillsville to Clintwood the next morning for his sales call. He worked in, like, medical software sales or something like that. So he has, like, a a sales call at, like, a doctor's office, I believe. Mm Mm-hmm. Shelly told the police that after Jason left, she'd help Michelle give Cassidy a bath, got her in her PJs, put her to bed, and then the two of them had watched Grey's Anatomy. She said that while they were sitting there that night, you know, watching TV and just, you know, hanging out, Michelle had told her that she and Jason had been having a lot of problems in their marriage. She said that they had been fighting a lot. And the big thing that they were fighting about was that Michelle wanted her mom, Linda, to come stay with them for the holidays. She wanted her to come at Thanksgiving and Mm -hmm. stay through Christmas. Oof. And, yeah, and Jason didn't want her to stay for that length of time. But Michelle has a two-year-old. She's got a baby on the way. She needs help. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Shelly also told police that, like, the feeling in the house had just been weird that night. She felt an eerie feeling the whole night. That's how she described it. Mm -hmm. She felt like she was being watched. She said she couldn't explain it, 
but she felt it so much that she actually asked Michelle to walk her to her car at the really? end of the night. Really? Yeah. And so some car that's supposed to, I assume, in the driveway, Yeah, just right? in the driveway, yeah. And this is a really nice neighborhood and a nice part of Raleigh. 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 That's the second time you've done that. Is it really? Oh. (laughs) It's definitely Raleigh, folks. It's not Raleigh. Um, So it's this, I mean, big brick home in a very nice neighborhood. But yeah, Shelly just had this feeling that something was off. She asked Michelle to walk her to her car, and she did. She said it was sometime between 10 and 1030, Mm -hmm. and she left. Police talked to a few people in the neighborhood to see if anyone had seen or heard anything of note in the hours between when Shelley left and when Meredith had discovered her sister dead the next day. Yeah. A woman named Terry Tiller told police that she was delivering newspapers in the area where Michelle's house was on November 3rd between 3.30 and 4 a.m. Mm-hmm. She said she saw a light-colored SUV parked oddly in front of the house. It was either in the yard or it was on the street right in front of the house. She remembered it sticking out to her, okay. but couldn't remember exactly where it was positioned. Yeah. Another woman named Cynthia Beaver noticed a light-colored, she described it as a soccer mom car, mm-hmm. parked at the edge of the driveway of the Young's house around 5.20 that morning. She believed there was a white male seated in the driver's seat, and she thought maybe there was somebody in the passenger seat. Maybe a woman, but she couldn't couldn't be sure. Hmm. A third woman, Faye Hensley, said she drove past the Young's house at around 6.15 that morning, and she saw an empty SUV parked kind of oddly at the edge of the driveway. I cannot believe how many witnesses there are yeah. to this. That's yeah. kind of incredible. Yeah. Over... A pretty big time span. We're talking 3.30 to 6.15 a.m. Well, and they parked so unsubtly yes. that everyone's Everyone noticing. notices it, yes. Okay. So with that information, they're like, okay, let's see if we can confirm Jason's whereabouts. We know what his plan was. Let's see if we can f- confirm it. So they retraced his movements. They did figure out that after he left their house in Raleigh, that evening that he stopped off at a gas station around 7.30 p.m., filled up his white Ford Explorer. Hmm. Pause for SUV, effect. perhaps. Maybe. He called his mom. His mom was like, hey, when you come back tomorrow, you should stay the night and we'll get you the furniture and everything. You can drive back home on, on Saturday. And... Jason was like, yeah, I'll have to call Michelle and see if, if that's okay. But, yeah, I, I like that plan, you know, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, Why'd you make his mom sound kind of flirty? I didn't mean it to be flirty. <laughs> what did I say that was flirty? I don't know. It was just a vibe. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think she just wants to spend some time with her son. I don't, well, we don't know the way you said it. Goodness gracious. <laughs> After Jason spoke to his mom, he continued on his journey to Virginia. Did stop off at a Cracker Barrel in Greensboro. What? Well, I didn't write down. I think that's still in North Carolina. I don't think he's made it to Virginia yet. Yeah, yeah. Okay. There's a Greensboro North Excellent. Carolina. Excellent. He ate dinner there around 9.25 p.m. And then he what, – what was that look for? Uh, no, it's nothing. I, it's just a really late dinner. Well, you know, he's a young young guy on the road. I don't know. I, I do think it's kind of a late dinner. But. Yeah, thank you. All right. What he order? That I don't know. Mm. 
God damn it. What I do know is from there, he checked into the Hampton Inn at 10.54 p.m. He entered his hotel room using a key card at 10.56 p.m., and that key card was never used again. He took advantage of the express checkout the next morning, and so the hotel does not know what time he left. Okay. Police, when they looked at his call records, his phone records, they found that he had placed a call to his mother the morning of November 3rd at 7.40 a.m., and that call placed him near Wytheville, Virginia. Oh, wow. Beautiful. Mm -hmm. I don't Yeah. (laughs) And then they were able to confirm that he arrived at his sales call in Clintwood, Virginia that morning, but he was 30 minutes late to it. Okay. So police then obtained the surveillance footage from the hotel where Jason had stayed, and they saw him checking in at the front desk and walking down the hallway toward his room. It appeared that Jason had not left his room at all after he'd entered that day. But upon further analysis of the surveillance footage, police thought that it had been tampered with. No way. Yeah. Okay. There was like a big gap in the timeline of the footage. Like it went dark at one point. Wow. Yeah. So this would require some more some more investigation. But they believed that this likely meant that at some point after midnight, mm-hmm. Jason had Absolutely. tampered with the security camera. He'd left his hotel, driven back to Raleigh, killed Michelle, and then driven to Virginia for his sales meeting. So then they're looking further into Jason and Michelle and their relationship, and a search of the Young's computer revealed that at some time, they were not able to give a timeline on this. Uh This is just a search that was done at some point on their family computer. There were internet searches for the words anatomy of a knockout, head trauma blackout, head blow knockout, and head trauma. Huh. Investigators believe that Jason Young was responsible for the brutal murder of his pregnant wife, Michelle, but they didn't have a lot of evidence to back that up. Well, I mean, this isn't too bad. It's not bad. It's not bad, but there's no physical evidence at this point tying him to the crime. Mm -hmm. Over the course of the investigation, they did discover that the couple was having financial issues. That's all the articles really say. I don't know what that means exactly. And there's no mention of what Michelle did for work. I don't know if she's a stay-at-home mom. I don't know if she's working. I don't know what the situation is. But they were having some kind of financial issues. Mm -hmm. And they discovered that Michelle had multiple life insurance policies. Well, let's just close this case right now, boys. One source said she was insured to the tune of $4 million. Give me a break. Okay. Yeah. So on the Dateline episode, they talk about this and how at one point, I think she talked to her mom about like how much life insurance she had. And she's like, I think it's like a million dollars. Isn't that a lot? Don't you think that's a lot? And then it turns out it was actually way more than that. Yeah. Yeah. They also discovered that over the course of his marriage, Jason had engaged in multiple extramarital affairs, including one that was currently going on with Michelle's good friend and former sorority sister. Ew. Yep. Not Shelly. No, not Shelly. Okay. There's another woman named Michelle, actually. Shut the fuck up. Does Michelle only hang out with people who have some version of Michelle as their name? Because Shelly is kind of a nickname for Michelle anyway. It's not kind of. It is. Yeah. It is. Yeah. That's bizarre. That is bizarre. All right. Okay. 
But there was one piece of evidence at the scene that they couldn't figure out. Mm-hmm. There had been footprints left at the scene, presumably by the killer. Yeah. They were determined to be made from a size 10 athletic shoe, but Jason wore a size 12. As they put together this theory that Jason was responsible for the murder of his wife, they thought that these prints may have been a decoy. They were like a little bit too perfect. Mm, Okay. But there was another shoe print that had been left at the scene. It was only a partial. Mm -hmm. And so that became like the focus of this investigation, identifying that partial shoe print. And it was like a monumental task. It took years. Years? Yes. Finally, investigators got a break. The partial shoe print was determined to be from a size 12 hush puppy orbital. (laughs) This was Jason's shoe size. And they were able to confirm that Jason had purchased a pair of size 12 hush puppy orbitals in July of 2005. Wow, they really did their homework. They really did. It took them like three years, but they did it. With that, they were like, Okay, this is enough now. Mm -hmm. And in December of 2009, three years after Michelle's murder, Jason Young was arrested and charged with her murder. He pled not guilty. In the meantime, other stuff had been going on over the course of this three years. Mm -hmm. Michelle's family had brought a civil wrongful death suit against Jason. Yeah. And it had been decided in their favor. They were awarded a $15.6 million judgment. Wow. Yeah. They had also successfully petitioned the court for the custody of Cassidy. That's exactly what I was wondering. Yes. Okay. Meredith got custody of Cassidy. Did you hear my stomach? I did. I am very sorry, everyone. I'm <laughs> super hungry. I ate some crackers. It's not, it's not enough, trick. apparently. <laughs> I apologize. Okay. You know what I think we should do right now? An ad. An ad indeed. Doodaloo. Arf, 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 arf. <laughs> what is that? It's an ad for Nom Nom. <laughs> Kristen, your pet's a member of your family. Don't feed them like they're in the doghouse. What should I give them? Give them Nom Nom. I do. <laughs> so don't tell me what to do. <laughs> Dottie and Kit love Nom Nom. Nom Nom delivers freshly made dog food with every portion personalized to your dog's needs so you can bring out their best. Nom Nom's made with real wholesome ingredients you can see and recognize without any additives or fillers that contribute to bloating and low energy. That's because Nom Nom uses the latest science and insights to make real good food for dogs. Their nutrient-packed recipes are designed by board-certified veterinary nutritionists Freshly made and shipped free to your door. Nom Nom's already delivered over 40 million meals to dogs like yours, inspiring millions of clean bowls and tail wags. Uh, Dottie and Kit really enjoy this stuff, and it is nice because it's healthier for them than the yeah, regular stuff. Absolutely. Makes me feel good, makes them feel good. Yeah. And you know what? I think we all look good too. Sure. I don't know if that's related, but <laughs> obviously it is. Obviously. No fillers, no nonsense, just Nom Nom. Go right now for 50% off your no-risk two-week trial at trynom.com slash LGTC. Spelled trynom dot com slash LGTC for 50% off. Trynom.com slash LGTC. And now we're back from the ad. Doodaloo! 
So that was going on in the meantime. Finally, like, so the the family knew this whole time. They're like, this is, is Jason. And they had a civil suit to say, you know, yeah, he's been deemed responsible for this. And they were able to get Cassidy. He didn't even fight the custody. That's interesting. I agree. Okay. He's asked about it later. Mm-hmm. And he said... Basically, like all my money was tied up in defense attorneys for the for me being considered a suspect in my wife's murder, so I didn't have a choice. Okay. Yeah. Jason Young's murder trial began on May thirty first, two thousand eleven. The prosecution told the jury that Jason and Michelle were having marital and financial problems, and that Jason no longer wanted to be married. They told the jury about how they discovered that he was having multiple affairs, had had many affairs over the course of their marriage. Mm -hmm. They told the jury that that night he checked into the Hampton Inn in Hillsville, Virginia. And at some point he left during the night. He managed to unplug a surveillance camera that was in the hallway. He propped an emergency exit door open with a rock so that he could come to and from the hotel or from and to, you know, you know what I'm doing. You know what I'm saying. Side to side. Um, Without having to go through the main lobby of the hotel where he would be spotted. Mm -hmm. So during the course of this investigation, they put that theory together and they actually went to every gas station along the route he would have had to take and to see if anybody had come in and paid cash for gas like in the middle of the night. And they got a hit. Wait, how many years afterward were they doing this? They did that pretty oh, early okay, on okay, in the okay, investigation. Okay, I mean, okay. I, I mean, the whole investigation lasted three years. So sometime okay. over the course of that three years, they started this. They got this theory together and they started going to all these gas stations and taking in a picture of Jason and being yep. like, did this person come in and buy gas? They would have paid cash, you know, right. would have been probably in the middle of the night. And they got a hit at a gas station. There was a, a woman who remembered him. Wow. And he, she only remembered him because he'd been a dick shut up yes he had come to the gas station at like five o'clock in the morning uh-huh he'd fucked with the pump and then he came in and yelled at her that he couldn't get the pump to work and she's like right you have to prepay at this time of yeah day and so he'd thrown twenty dollars on the counter he'd pumped fifteen dollars of gas and left without coming in and got getting his change wow yeah way to make yourself memorable no kidding so anyway, so uh, the prosecution told the jury all about that, too. That was <laughs> <laughs> the prosecution told the jury everything that Michelle had gone through. Yeah. She had been strangled and beaten to death. And likely her two-year-old daughter had witnessed the whole thing. Yeah. And then her two-year-old daughter had been left alone in the house with her mother's body. The prosecution says that this is strong evidence that Jason is the one who did this because they didn't want to harm the little girl. Hmm. They said if this was somebody else, if this was an intruder or whatever, likely wouldn't have had that same result. But I don't think that's right. I don't know that it's a I very strong there argument. Are, but I think there are people who would definitely kill a grown woman but not, not kill a, a child. two-year-old child. Yes. I'm still on their side on this one. I just think that's... Yeah. yeah. The jury was shown pictures of her little tiny bloody footprints throughout the house. That's enough. The jury was then shown surveillance footage from the Hampton Inn from 1049 p.m. on November 2nd. 
They show the footage. And mm-hmm. then at 11.20 p.m. on that footage, it goes black. Hmm. The prosecution told the jury that it went black because that's when Jason tampered with the camera so that he could prop open the security door and be able to leave without needing to use his key card. They put an employee from the hotel on the stand. His name was Keith Hicks. He said he discovered that the first floor emergency door had been propped open with a small rock. That door was to remain locked between 11 p.m. and 6 a.m. He also testified that he had observed that camera in the stairwell. He noticed that it was unplugged. When he took note of all this, he noticed that that camera was unplugged and he plugged it back in at 5.50 a.m. But later that same day, another staff member sometime around 6.34, 6.35 a.m. noticed that camera was pointed directly at the ceiling. I'm surprised you can fuck with a security camera this much. No kidding. Yeah. Okay. The prosecution told the jury that they believed Jason had unplugged that camera so that he could prop the door open so that he would have an alibi. He was at the hotel. He never left. This is a pretty good case, I know. And then when he came back and discovered that it was plugged back in, he pointed it up to the ceiling before it could capture any image of him. Yeah. Yeah. Prosecution told the jury that Jason had to have stopped for gas on his way back. They said he'd stopped in a gas station in North Carolina at 5 a.m., and they put Gracie Calhoun, the attendant from the gas station, on the stand. And she said that she remembered the interaction because Jason was so angry. Mm -hmm. She said, I don't forget nothing like that when somebody's cussing and fussing at me. Sure. Yeah. I do love that nugget of this Mm -hmm. case. Yeah. She said the man drove a white SUV Mm -hmm. and that he had pulled up to the farthest pump. He'd tried to pump gas multiple times, and then he'd stormed in mad that the pump wasn't working. And she was like, yeah, it's, you have to prepay at this time of day. And he'd thrown a $20 bill on the counter. Wait, are you retelling this whole story? I'm just reiterating <laughs> okay. this is her testimony. Everyone, he left the $5 He never change. came for the change, folks. The prosecution told the jury about the state of Michelle and Jason's marriage. People close to the couple believed that they only got married because Michelle got pregnant with Cassidy. Oh, yeah. Meredith Fisher, Michelle's sister, took the stand and she testified that she had told Michelle to leave Jason multiple times. Mm -hmm. But Michelle hadn't done anything. Well, I mean, it sounds like she was pretty damn busy with a two-year-old and she's five months pregnant. Exactly. Yeah. Especially if she wasn't working at that point. Mm Mm-hmm. I imagine you'd feel pretty stuck. Yep. A friend of Jason's took the stand and said that about three weeks before Michelle's death, Jason had told that friend that he was, quote, done with his relationship with Michelle. Well, yeah, you've been cheating on her constantly, so, okay. Yep. The prosecution told the jury that Jason and Michelle argued a lot, and a lot of those arguments were specifically about Linda, Michelle's mother. Linda loved to visit her daughter and her granddaughter and she Mm -hmm. would visit frequently and she'd stay for long periods of time. She wanted to move to North Carolina so that she could be closer to her daughter. Um, She had actually offered to do some renovations on the house and actually move in there, have like a mother-in-law suite. Yeah. And Michelle loved the idea and Jason hated it. Mm. And it had resulted in a lot of arguments. Yeah. 
Linda took the stand and testified about all of that. She also testified about the moment that she found out that her daughter was dead. She said she got a call from Meredith and that Meredith had said, Mom, Michelle is dead. Linda asked Meredith what she meant. And she's like, something happened? Did she pass out? Like, what do you mean? What do you mean? And Meredith said, no, no, she's no longer alive. Linda testified that she did actually call Jason immediately after she got off the phone with Meredith, but Jason didn't answer the call and he never called her back. So instead Mm -hmm. she called his mom and then he got the information from his mom. Mm -hmm. Linda testified that in the time that she spent at Jason and Michelle's house, she witnessed a bunch of fights between Jason and Michelle. She told the court that Jason belittled Michelle. She also testified that she had told Michelle to leave him, but Michelle said she wanted to make their marriage work. She also testified that Michelle had confided in her about her sex life with Jason. Hmm. And she said that Jason didn't make love to her Instead, he was very perverted about sex. Linda didn't mm. elaborate on that more. I don't yeah. think she asked any questions when she said that. She just said it made her have concerns yeah, about their relationship. Yeah. There was also a friend of the couples who talked about on the Dateline episode about how Jason would make really inappropriate jokes in large groups of people, mm-hmm. like often exposing himself as a joke. Ew. Yeah. Ew, fuck off. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Linda testified that Jason would often have female friends stay over when Michelle was away, either like visiting her mom or something Mm -hmm. like that. Linda told the jury she had so much to offer. There was so much about Michelle that was just – she was a cheerleader. I mean, she had that pep, that energy, that – vivacious you know she loved life and he took it away from her he just took it away from her linda testified about one of her last interactions with michelle she'd come to visit linda was sitting on the couch and michelle was laying with her head in her lap and Mm -hmm. she said she was stroking michelle's hair and she said she just felt an emptiness in her daughter and at that during that interaction Michelle confided in her that she felt like she had nothing left to give to her marriage. Yeah. Linda talked about how they had done the fight for custody of Cassidy and how there was a little bit of back and forth at the beginning. And then finally, Jason just gave full custody to Meredith. Linda testified that she believed that was because he didn't want the questions that would be asked if they went through full court proceedings. Okay. One of Jason's friends, a woman named Carol Ann Sowerby, testified. She told the court that she had known Jason since they were teenagers and that she had visited him in the fall of 2006. Carol told the jury that during that trip, which took place just 10 days before Michelle's death, that she and Jason had had sex on their living room couch. Oh, while Michelle was out of town. She also testified that there was like a weird interaction kind of at the end of that night where Jason took her wedding ring off because Carol is married. Mm -hmm. 
took her wedding ring off, pretended to swallow it, and said, you're not getting that back. What? But then the next day, he gave it back to her. Yeah. So This dude sounds weird as fuck. He sounds really weird. I think this testimony is meant to show you that he has a pattern of removing people's wedding rings because there's another piece of testimony that's going to come forward where he removed somebody's wedding ring and then Michelle was found without her wedding ring. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, how awkward is it when you uh, have an affair and then you have to testify about it in court? Yeah, yeah it's pretty awkward. Oops, fudge stripes. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Prosecution then called Michelle's friend, Michelle Money. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Too many Michelles. No shit. Michelles okay. and Shelleys all over this thing. Mm-hmm. Michelle testified that she was one of Michelle Young's college sorority sisters and that she believed that her husband had been unfaithful to her. And so she met Jason at a wedding that both she and Michelle attended. And because she was angry or upset that her husband thought her husband was having an affair, she then began a relationship with Jason. What a cool thing to do to your friend. Super cool. Is this guy super hot or what's his deal? No, I don't think he's hot at all. Is that just because you hate him because he's a murderer? Might or be. I don't ju- know. Okay. No, I mean, he. I mean, he wears hush puppies. Okay. I know how much like, you love that. He's definitely had a transformation because this spanned such a long time. But yeah. like in part of the proceedings, he has really long hair, which I am not a fan of. So mm. maybe that maybe I'm biased. <laughs> OK. I did not find him attractive at all. All right. So she said she met Jason through Michelle, obviously, at a mm-hmm. wedding that they both attended. And then she started up, uh, you know, having some kind of relationship with Jason. They talked constantly. And she said by the end of September 2006, she was in touch with Jason on a regular basis. Jason even visited Michelle in Orlando in October of 2006. He said he was going on a business trip. Instead, he went to Florida and banged Michelle's friend. Cool. Super fucking cool. Yeah. By this time, they were in constant contact with each other. In the month of October in 2006, they contacted each other 980 times. And on the day before Michelle Young was murdered, Michelle, Money, and Jason were in contact 51 times on that day alone. So was she in the vehicle? The as far as I know, nothing was at there was no accusations ever made to Michelle being involved yeah. in any way, having any knowledge of this in any way. I mean, she probably wasn't. I was just curious yeah. because that one. Right. Because the witness, one person said, I yeah. think maybe there was possibly a woman in the passenger seat. Yeah. yeah. Michelle Money was actually the last person Jason talked to on November 2nd and the first person he talked to on November 3rd. Michelle testified that they would talk regularly about work and life and kids. The prosecution then called Dr. Thomas Clark to the stand. He was the doctor who had performed the autopsy, and he testified that Michelle had died from blunt force trauma to her head and that she had sustained at least 30 blows. He said of those 30 blows, the most serious of which had likely been inflicted with a heavy, blunt object featuring a round surface that caused crescent-shaped skull fractures. They never did locate what this item might have been or Mm -hmm. identify it. Okay. 
Dr. Clark testified that there were signs that Michelle had been strangled. She sustained a broken jaw, skull fracturing, brain hemorrhaging, lacerations, abrasions, and dislodged teeth. Oh, gosh. She had been brutally beaten. Yeah, yeah. Meredith took the stand and testified about finding Michelle's body and finding Cassidy in the house and about the footprints I'm not going to talk about anymore. Yeah. Then they introduced the evidence about the bloody footprints that were found, the shoe prints that were found mm-hmm. at the scene. Agent Michael Smith of the Federal Bureau of Investigation, the FBI, if you nasty, Ew. and Agent <laughs> Andy Parker of the Raleigh-Wake City County Bureau of Identification and Special Agent Karen Moreau of the State Bureau of Investigation talked about those bloody footwear impressions and how much work went into identifying the partial shoe print. And ultimately, they were able to identify that it was a size 12 hush puppy orbital. And then they were able to determine that on July 4th, 2005, Jason had purchased that exact shoe. They never found that shoe. Well, no, of course not. Yeah. The prosecution did tell the jury that there was no evidence Jason had ever physically assaulted Michelle previously. But they said that didn't mean that he couldn't have done it that night. They said he was absolutely capable of physical violence. And they called his former fiance, Genevieve Cargill, to the stand to testify about that. Genevieve testified that she was the victim of domestic violence at the hands of Jason. Wow. She told the court about one incident in particular, which involved Jason forcibly removing her engagement ring. What the hell? Mm -hmm. She said they were at a wedding in Texas and Jason was extremely intoxicated. And they argued about how drunk he was. Mm -hmm. And he became angry and he demanded that Genevieve give the engagement ring back. Genevieve said she couldn't get it off her finger. Like her hands were swollen. It was too tight. She couldn't get it off. And so they're in this hotel room. And she said... I had never seen him like that before. His eyes were completely empty and deserted and glazed over like he wasn't seeing me. She said he was throwing her back and forth between the two beds in the room, trying to get the ring off. And finally, he pulled it off, hurting her along the way. Of course. She also said this was not a once-off incident. She said there was another incident that involved him breaking the windshield of her car mm-hmm. by punching it with his bare hand. Yeah. He said, she said he also damaged a wall in their apartment when he punched it. She said after she had called off their engagement, she had gone completely no contact with him and years had passed without her hearing from him at all. And then out of nowhere, on September 12, 2006, she gets an email from him. And in it... He tells her that he loves her. Oh, shut the fuck up. Yeah. Yeah, we're talking like two months before Michelle is murdered. Get out of here. The prosecution then called a daycare worker named Ashley Palmatier, who worked at the daycare where Cassidy went. And she talked about something interesting that Cassidy did shortly after her mother was killed. She said she was playing with these dolls, Mm -hmm. and she started hitting one of the dolls with the other doll. And she said, Mommy's getting a spanking. And then she said, Mommy has boo-boos all over. There's red stuff all over. 
they did have Cassidy sit down with a child psychologist to try and see if she could remember anything. But she was not – she completely shut down. She wouldn't give any information from it. So this was the prosecution's best effort at showing like she witnessed something terrible and it is bleeding over into her life. She's acting out violence that she witnessed. Sure. Then it was the defense's turn. And they did the thing we love. Look, my client's a piece of shit. That's right. I hate him myself. That's but right. But he's not a murderer. That's exactly right. They said Jason is far from the ideal husband. <laughs> he might just be a piece of shit. Uh-huh. But here's what he's not. A, a killer. Uh, except for he absolutely is. Mm-hmm. They argued that the prosecution presented no credible evidence against their client. They argued that, of course, like his DNA and fingerprints were in the house because he lived there. Well, that's true. Yeah. You, had, uh, you didn't find any blood-stained fingerprints of his anywhere. Yeah, but you found his bloody shoe print. Yeah, exactly. So how'd that get there? Exactly. Well, so here's the deal. Jason had already gotten rid of those shoes before then, so that's just a weird coincidence. Hmm. He told Michelle to give those to the Goodwill a whole year ago. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. That's convenient. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so don't even worry about that shoe print. Uh-huh. That's no big deal. Uh-huh. They said that no blood was found in his car or his clothes or the hotel room that he stayed at in Virginia. They said that he had no cuts or bruises or injuries on his hands. He did have a broken toenail. (laughs) But that's it. I'm sorry. (laughs) I just was not expecting that. (laughs) But also he beat a pregnant woman to Mm -hmm. death. So... Yeah. Yeah, I imagine he didn't get too banged up. Yeah. Jason took the stand in his own defense. What a delight. Mm-hmm. He was on the stand for about three hours. Is that all? Mm-hmm. It was not very long. He told the jury that he was not the perfect husband, okay? <laughs> But he said he was working on his marriage. How? By fucking her friend? legitimately what the prosecutor said on (laughs) (laughs) cross-examination. They said, when you were having sex with another woman uh, 10 days before your wife was murdered, was that working on your marriage? Give me a break. Yeah. Yeah. And he just said, no, Mm ma'am. No, ma'am. Yeah. I mean, what can you say? He said that, of course, there were problems in their marriage, but he said that he loved Michelle and he wanted to make their marriage work. He was excited. He was looking forward to the birth of their baby boy. He was excited. They shared an email that he had sent to Michelle in October of 2006, October 24th, 2006. Mm -hmm. And in them, Jason said that he wanted to go to counseling. He wanted to get their marriage figured out. Mm -hmm. So look, he's working on his marriage. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, they came like a week before he murdered her. So I'm guessing it's part of the plan. That's absolutely. Don't you think? Absolutely. Yeah. Jason testified that he didn't think that they fought any more than any other couple. Well, then you're just fucked up. Mm -hmm. Dude, that's all that says. Yeah. The defense told the jury that Jason would not have had enough time to return to Raleigh, murder his wife, and drive back to the Virginia. And Sorry. And drive the Virginia. <laughs> the great state of Virginia. <laughs> we give a lot of respect to Virginia on this podcast. Right. We call it the Virginia. The hotel was located about 160 miles from their house in Raleigh. It would have been a journey, but... 
investigators did it and he would have had plenty of time. Right. Yes. Jason talked about what he had done that night. He'd gone into his hotel room and he's really nervous about the sales call the next day. And so he just walked through the presentation on his laptop and then he'd fallen asleep. They did. He was so nervous that he ended up showing up half an hour late. They asked him why he was half an hour late. Yeah. He said it's because he got lost. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. Jason was asked about those internet searches that I mentioned earlier, all about the mm-hmm. head injuries. Mm-hmm. And he said that he had conducted those at a different time and they were related to an accident that he had witnessed. <laughs> really? Uh-huh. Tell me all about the accident. That's all I know. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's all he knows, too. Yeah, exactly. And that was about, mm-hmm. about, about the whole defense. I didn't do it. I'm a shitty husband, but I'm not a killer. But also I was working on it real hard. Mm-hmm. Look at this email. Yeah, where look I at this email I sent where I was counseling. like, let's go to counseling. Yeah. Yeah. So the jury got the case, and they deliberated and deliberated and deliberated. No. And then they sent a note to the judge. Oh, my God. They were hopelessly deadlocked. They were split eight to four. Really? Eight in favor of acquittal. (gasps) Shut up. Yep. Wow. Yep. And on June 27th, 2011, a mistrial was declared due to a hung jury. I am shocked. It's funny because I feel like we cover a lot of cases where mm-hmm. stuff is circumstantial. This seems pretty solid I to think me. It seems pretty solid too. I mean, I don't want to really use the word obvious, but that's kind of what I yeah. think fits here. Yep. So Jason would be tried again. Okay. And his second trial began on January 17th, 2012. And it's. Same thing as before. I'm not going to walk you through all of it again. The only difference at this trial was that Jason didn't testify. But his testimony from the first trial was played. I think this is really interesting. Because it was so well received at the first trial, I Uh think the defense was like, let's not fuck this up. Right. Let's play that instead of having you actually take the stand again. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. This time, the jury deliberated for six hours. And then they found him guilty. Okay. Of first-degree murder. At his sentencing hearing, Judge Donald Stevens said that Michelle wasn't just murdered. She suffered a beating the likes of which we seldom seen. The judge said that Jason only stopped beating her when he became exhausted and that the evidence suggests the assailant was overcome completely by anger and rage. And even then, he had the energy to strip her of her engagement and wedding rings because in his mind, she was unworthy of wearing them. The judge said that? The judge said that at the sentencing. The judge then went on to say that the fingerprints of domestic violence were all over this case. When handing down his sentence, the judge told Jason that not only did he have the motive to kill Michelle, but all of the circumstances pointed directly at him and nothing pointed away from him. 
Jason was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. So Jason appealed his conviction. And at an appeal hearing, some interesting information came out. I mean, this is the basis of his appeal. So during that second trial, the prosecution mentioned to the jury the civil judgment that Michelle's family had been awarded. Oh, are you not? Oh, okay. They also mentioned that the judge who signed that civil judgment was the same judge who was presiding over this criminal trial. Oh, no. And so in his appeal, Jason argued that this prejudiced the jury. Basically, this judge has already signed off on this civil judgment saying, saying that he is responsible for the murder of his wife. I hate it mm-hmm. because I agree. Yeah. So at this appeal hearing, his new legal team argued that his trial t- attorney, sorry, that his trial attorney should have, quote, objected more strenuously when the judge allowed jurors to hear that Jason first did not respond to the civil wrongful death lawsuit. He didn't respond to it at all. Mm-hmm. It went on completely without him. And that then he was the judge who had signed the judgment on it. So Jason's attorney argued that the jury shouldn't have heard anything about that. And they believed that hearing that the same judge was overseeing both cases poisoned the jury. Mm -hmm. And the appeal court agreed. Yeah. A unanimous panel of the Court of Appeals vacated his conviction and ordered a new trial. So he was to get a third trial. Holy shit. But before that third trial took place, the prosecution appealed this judgment from the Court of Appeals <laughs> all the way to the North Carolina Supreme Court. And they overturned the really appeals, the appellate court's decision. Yeah. Why? They said that, yes, there is something to that that should not have been allowed in, mm-hmm. but it wouldn't have changed the outcome of the trial. There's enough evidence that he did this that it doesn't warrant a new trial. Mm. And so Jason remains in prison. Yeah. And he maintains his innocence. Okay, well, that's cute for him. And there are a lot of people that think he is wrongfully convicted. Really? There's a woman who wrote a whole book about it. She runs a whole website about justice for Jason Young. Is there something I'm missing here? No, so the really the only um, that they argue is that there was some DNA found on the jewelry box in the house that does not match Jason. Okay. And then the argument is that there's not any physical evidence tying him to the case, tying him to the murder, other than the hush puppy shoe print, which he claims he didn't even have those shoes anymore. Mm-hmm. I think there's enough. When I you think take, there's enough. I agree. I think there's enough here. I do. I do have concerns about having the same judge overseeing the criminal trial as the civil judgment. That does seem like a conflict of interest. I don't know. Oh, see, I don't necessarily think that. Even I think it's more about like letting the jury. Yeah. Know. Yes. Yeah. This judge has signed off on this. It could mm-hmm. it could almost seem like an endorsement. I agree. I think judge. it does sound like an endorsement. Yeah. 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 And while I personally agree that you wouldn't think that that would be 
the piece that pushes this thing over mm-hmm. the edge? Obviously, that first jury, they couldn't agree on yeah. it. I mean, I think this is a fairly obvious one, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, so in the official judgment, the Supreme Court said, even if the jury knew Judge Stevens wrote the default judgment in the civil suit, in this case, given the weight of the evidence, we don't think it would have changed the outcome. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So that's the story of the murder of Michelle Young by her husband, Jason Young. Is he wrongfully convicted? I oh, don't think, think so. so. I yeah. don't either. I don't either. Oof. Yeah. How terrible for her family. Yeah. Oof. Okay. To go back to... The eBay printouts. Yeah. That's so fucked up to do that to her sister. Exactly. You made her sister go discover her fucking body. Yeah. How awful. How awful. But he couldn't be there when it was discovered. That was part of the whole thing. Yeah. So he had to get somebody to go to the house. We knew that eBay printout thing was was bullshit. Trouble when you walked in. Yep. Ugh. And now let's do an ad. Doodaloo! Brandy, have you ever had a bad skin day? No, you haven't, so don't even talk to me about it. <laughs> but sure I have. have. Oh, okay. Sure, I have. Listen, we all know it's easy to focus on the negative, but it's important to remember to take care of yourself. And one of the best forms of self love is taking care of your skin so you can feel good on the inside and out. And that's why we're excited to partner with Apostrophe. Apostrophe's goal is to help you feel confident in your own skin. Whether you're dealing with breakouts, signs of aging, or acne scarring, Apostrophe will help you love the skin you're in. It's an online platform that connects you with an expert dermatology team to get customized acne treatment for your unique skin. Through Apostrophe, you can get access to oral and topical medications that use clinically proven ingredients to help clear acne. I really enjoy this. So... My skincare goals are always to, you know, like, do something about these massive pores, do something about the texture, and you send in a bunch of photos, you have someone... Really close photos. So close. They were so... Immediately deleted those things. (laughs) I did a canvas printout of mine. (laughs) And you get an expert to weigh in on what you should be doing. I love it. We have a special deal for our audience. Get your first visit for only $5 at apostrophe.com slash LGTC when you use our code LGTC. That's a savings of $15. This code is only available for our listeners. To get started, just go to apostrophe.com slash LGTC and click get started. Then use our code LGTC at sign up and you'll get your first visit for only $5. Thank you, Apostrophe, for sponsoring this episode. Doodaloo! Shall we take some questions from the Discord? Yes, we shall. Everyone, to get into our Discord... Whoa, oh, Brandy's gasping. What's There was a shooting at the parade. Oh, my God. Uh, David said, shooting at the parade, up to 10 people possibly injured. Okay, I'm going to... I've got to call yes. Kyla. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, everybody, I don't know how much we're going to leave in, but when we went to look at questions from the Discord, we just found out that there's been a shooting at the parade today. So just had to pause and call my sister and everybody. Yeah, make and sure, yes. I think... Yeah. I, I think that's the only person that I knew going. God. Anyway, it'd be nice if this country did something about fucking gun control. How about that? 
No. Do we have a problem with guns here in the United States, Kristen? <laughs> it's the first time hearing of it. Yeah. Well, you'd think <sighs> our politicians, it was the first they were no hearing of it. No fucking shit. So, yeah, Patty, you can leave that all in, actually. Yep. Should we take some questions <laughs> from the Discord now, ma'am? <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> uh, that is terrifying. I don't know why I feel compelled like we've got to leave that in, but I do think that's a very American experience. Oh, yeah. Don't you? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely it is. Lesbot wants to know what we're doing for Valentine's Day. Kristen, what are we doing? What are you doing? What am I doing? I don't want people to get jealous, Brandy. Okay, tell the people but what you're fine, doing. fine, I will. Okay, so Norman and I are getting our signature heart-shaped pizza <laughs> and a bouquet of boneless buffalo wings. Amazing. Will we spend the evening making love on the toilet? Maybe. <laughs> oh, God. Maybe. Hey, hey, don't kink shame. Are you going to eat your buffalo wings in the hot tub? That just sounds sexy. You don't, really, you don't gross. really think it's sexy. <laughs> I don't That's all. enough. That's enough. All right. I don't make fun of your love. Okay. <laughs> you want to know what we're doing tonight? I do. Uh, David and I are going to order some food. Mm-hmm. And then David, London, and I are all going to watch Press Your Luck, a.k.a. No Whammies. That's what we call it in our family. Mm-hmm. On the Game Show Network. It's our favorite game show. We've been. It's on every night at 7. <laughs> How old are you again? Uh, We love it. Like, David wants to get on Pressure Luck. Uh, He should. He, like, is legitimately in the application process right now. He loves it. It It is his favorite game show. I love watching it. To me... To me, it's not a tr- it's not necessarily a trivia show, so it's, I wouldn't call it my favorite game show, but I do really like it. Mm. Uh, London loves it. She watches it. And she goes, "No whammies, no whammies, stop!" Yay! She loves it. <laughs> you know, the weirdest thing is it's actually cuter when you say it. No, it's way cuter when she <laughs> says it. And then we will be watching The Floor, which is my current favorite game show. Wow, hosted by Rob Lowe. It's not just my favorite game show hosted by Rob Lowe. It is my favorite game show, period. And then it is hosted by Rob Lowe. Okay. Just Very so everybody's good. clear. Very good. All right. Okay. Yeah. Ooh, game show aficionado wants to know, have you two been rehearsing for the live show yet? So much. We're yeah, so just deep. constant rehearsals. Brandy's not picking up the choreo very well. <laughs> there, will be, say that. there will be no choreo. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be great finding the whole time Brandy tells the story. No, I don't. I don't know what strikes you about this podcast that it would be something that is heavily rehearsed. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think I really set the bar really high at our last live show. When you didn't finish the case. Oh, I finished it. Now, I did have to rush through the, well, did I finish it? Kind of. You did a quick wrap up. Yeah, yeah. Like a pro. Like a pro. How'd your dance number go? I had no oh, dance number. Oh, so I guess I someone did. did I drop did sing the ball. Christmas shoes. Yeah, that was a great time. Everyone loved it. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, Cots for Bus Boys wants to know, Kristen. I'm re-listening to the podcast and just got to the episode about your droopy tooties. No. Do you, you ever end up getting a bra you actually love? Um. You know, not really. Still working on it, huh? Well, not really working on it. No, I, I just, I hate. <laughs> you gave up on it? Well, no, I just hate to say, I just went to Victoria's Secret and just, oh, you know. yeah. Like, it's fine. Okay. My big mistake was in the pandemic buying a two-pack from Costco. Yeah. That just didn't do the yeah, trick. No. Um, boy, that was like, 
I don't know what that was like, but I was not getting the support I needed. That's partially <laughs> on me. I I bought that thing like the band was just massive. Yeah, that's where all the support comes from. Yeah, I know. You yelled at me about it. <laughs> okay. All right. Anyhow, my titties are doing okay. Okay. I'm glad to hear it. Mm-hmm. Ooh. What is it? Les Lemon wants to know, how old is your oldest pair of undies? Oh, my gosh. So I do have... Okay, here's my problem. You got some antiques? Okay, yeah, because I just buy the same underwear every time. Yeah, so you have no idea, really. No, because I've got, like, three pairs where, like, the elastic is totally worn out. Mm-hmm. Even bits of it falling off, like, every time <laughs> I sorry, put them I on. i These, I don't, I don't have... An accurate, I but I would guess they've got to be at least eight to ten years old. Oh, I've got to be, and I still wear them because <laughs> they're, they're so comfortable. Comfy. Yeah, no, when <laughs> but they are like around the house undies. I'm not wearing those under like my outfit each day. They're like the comfy undies. Yeah, when you're going to throw on sweatpants. Yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. Well, you. We knew what was up the minute you said the elastic's shot. Yeah, it's shot. <laughs> I've got you so beat. What do you what do you have? Okay, it's funny. I I haven't talked about this friend of mine in for a long time. She was one of my friends from college. But I just told you a story before we started recording about her. Yeah. Anyway, her mom owned a lingerie shop in Chicago. Uh-huh. And so like as gifts, she'd get us all like cute underwear. Yeah. And, of course, to me, these are very special underwear. So you only wear them never because you right. don't want to mess them up. I received these when I was 21. Okay. Still got them. Okay. Just waiting for that perfect moment. Perfect occasion to wear them. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, pro bony attorney wants to know something, and I want to know it too. Brandy, whatever happened to your driver's license? Did you accidentally on purpose throw it away? Do you still have that? <gasps> oh. No, I still have it. And I actually... I had forgotten how terrible it was. Uh-huh. It's just tucked in my wallet. Well, like, sure, how often do you sure. look at your driver's license? Oh, well, mine's beautiful, so I look at mine You just have yours daily. framed constantly. Yeah. No, so then I actually traded in my car this weekend. Right. Got a new-to-me car. Not a new car, but new-to-me sure. car. And they had to look at that thing about 100 times throughout the course of, <laughs> of the transaction. And I was like, I gotta get this fucking thing out again. <laughs> Did they judge you? Were they like, oh, good God. No, they didn't say anything about it. They were perfectly nice. They didn't even, honestly, the rudest thing they did was say, not say this looks nothing like you. <laughs> How happy would you have been if you, if they were like, nice try. Nice try. This Who doesn't are look you anything really? like you. This looks like a thumb. Yeah. And no. you're like, listen, oh, I know. So nice. oh, Thank you. I, I agree. It looks nothing like me. I'm obviously so hot in person. Yeah. <laughs> I do think it's cool. Um, Brandy has agreed to put that up on the screen at both of the live shows. No, no, um, no, well, no, no, yeah, no. We're no. going to have to blur the address, obviously. No. But the thumb will be up there. No. Oh, okay. No. Well, still time to negotiate. Don't worry, gang. <laughs> Garth Brooks of Hot Tubbing asks, Brandy, what do you do when swimming? Is it different to be pantsless in a pool or do you have emotional support swim pants? Yeah. No. I, this past year... For wore the least hmm. full coverage swimsuit I've ever worn. Um, 
No, so it used to be I would wear like a swim dress one piece situation with like a skirt on the bottom. Yeah. Because that felt like it gave me good coverage. This Grandma past, needs her coverage. Yeah. yeah. This past year, I I did actually wear a a two piece. Yeah, it's not you called it a bikini one time. It it's is not. technically a bikini, but well, it is a long line bikini. So it's got yeah. a high waist bottom and a long line top. So yeah. there's only about that much gapage between the two. Remember there's no video. It, so. It's about it, it's it's <laughs> an inch and a half on a good day. <laughs> so but no, it my hips show. My, oh my the, god. The shoulders show. Mm-mm-mm. A bit of cleavage that shows. Holy shit. Don't you know that you're tempting the men to stumble? What? <laughs> They're no. trying to do right by the Lord. You're out here showing a good inch of a skin. A good inch of skin. That's right. That's right. Yeah. No, when I'm at the pool, that is the the least dressed I am. I remember when we first started the podcast. I can't remember why, but you bought a new swimsuit. Oh, yeah. Do you remember I this? I do remember this. And I was like, oh, let me see a picture. Yeah. you were like, it, it was something like you just bought it. You I just really bought sure it. And I was like, it. it was fine. Like, it's not great, but it's fine. The way you handed me that phone was like, I mean, like, as if you were handing me a photo of a close up of your vagina. Yeah, like, absolutely. Fine, I'll allow you to just look, but only for medical purposes. And yeah. Yeah, and it was just you in a very full full cover. That was a full cover. You were coverage. wearing more in that photo than I was wearing at the time. Yes, looking that at that is accurate. That's what I remember that swimsuit, and that was a tankini with a skirted bottom that was pretty long. So. And you were wearing knee high boots. No. <laughs> Should we do one more? Yeah. Mm. Okay, this is nuts. Calling in horny wants to know cereal first or milk first. Brandy, do you do milk first? No. No. Oh, my God. Don't lie. No, I don't do milk first, but I have been known to do a little bowl of cereal. You know, Mm -hmm. you put your cereal in, you put your milk in, you eat your cereal. You're left with milk. I have been known to pour a little more cereal into that milk that's left over. Yeah, that doesn't. Yeah. That's not what's being asked here. Cereal first, then milk, you cereal killer. Okay. (laughs) I feel a lot better now. Uh, shall we move on to Supreme Court induction? Absolutely, we shall. I'm warning you, gang. We got a lot of them. A lot okay? of them to get Just through. Buckle up, buckle up. I'm Patty, not Patty the editor. That's from a Gilmore Girls reference. Anyway, okay. I was going to say I did not understand that at all. Okay, so one person will get it, and they'll think it's funny, and that makes it worth it to me. All right, we are continuing to read your names and your first celebrity crushes. Lori Rogers. John Travolta. Katie McGrath. Jonathan Brandis. L. Rob Lowe. Samantha. Nick Jonas. Krista Smith. Casper, the ghost version, not the human boy. <laughs> Amanda McDonald. Davy Jones from the Monkees. Michaela. Jim Hawkins. Molly D. Michael Jackson, don't judge. It was the early 80s before things got weird. Mm. Stephanie. Fred from Scooby-Doo. Shannon Jones. Jordan Knight. The gift shop with all the goods. Jessica Alba. Zach Hunt. Ricky Martin. Maggie. Lance Bass. Tara. Drake Bell. Amy McFarland. Dan Marino. Elizabeth Sons. Nick Carter. April Derringer. Ricky Schroeder. Ingrid Brubaker. Draco Malfoy? From Harry Potter. Oh, okay. (laughs) Shelly. Leo DiCaprio. Jessica Wright. Jonathan Taylor Thomas. 
Brittany Peoples, Leo DiCaprio again, Dervella, Christian Slater, Kaylin, Pete Wentz, Sierra Osborne, Justin Timberlake, Marta, Tom Cruise, Cassandra Richards, Matthew Lillard, Micah, the kid from Rookie of the Year, Ruth, Sean Cassidy, Johanna, Leonardo DiCaprio, Julianne, Ashton Kutcher, Ollie, Brandon Fraser, and now I'm a lesbian. <laughs> EJ, Brad Renfro, Molly Wagner, Scott Bayo, Sarah Kowalmore, Joseph Gordon Levitt, Eric, Jonathan Taylor Thomas, Diane Wilson, Sean Cassidy, Jessica Bent, Matthew Lawrence, Melissa Watkins, Ralph Macchio, Kaylee Wolf, Hilary Duff, Nina, Jason Bateman, Tiana, Sean Ortopanga from Boy Meets World, Geneva, Ralph Macchio, Brittany Reynolds, Pete Wentz, Carolyn, Bo Duke, Trish, Sean Cassidy, Jeanette, Jonathan Knight, Casey Bauman, Corey, Haynes and Feldman, Heidi Rhino, Leonardo DiCaprio, Larissa, Johnny Depp, Lacey, Devin Sawa, Cassie, Gavin Rosdale, Joe Jackson, Harrison Ford, Sarah, <laughs> the tall skinny one from Boys <laughs> to Men, <laughs> Kathy, David Cassidy, Karen Ferguson, Brad Pitt, Melly Weisgerber, Devin Sawa, Laurel Villers, Rob Lowe, Meg, Josh Hutchinson, Victoria Redmond, Christian Slater, Patty, Ed Norton, Roxy, Angelina Jolie, Lou, Johnny Lee Miller, Luna Sianaby, Jonathan Taylor Thomas, Anna Loy Joy, Tom Selleck, Trudy, Michael Jackson, Maddie, The Beast from Beauty and the Beast, Quee, Gordo from Lizzie McGuire, Emily, Jonathan Taylor Thomas, Corey, Kevin Richardson, Jazz, The Pink Power Ranger, Rumman, Ryan Gosling, Lucy, Naya Rivera, Emerson, Emma Button, Samantha Z, the cast of Now and Then, yes, all of them, Now and Then, <laughs> <laughs> Linzo, Ewan McGregor, Rachel Wally, Christian Slater, Stephanie, Joaquin Phoenix, Brett, Joey McIntyre, Jalen, Jeremy Sumter, Changu, Luke Skywalker, Rebecca Reeves, Kurt Russell, Anna, Ashley Green, LL Cool C, <laughs> Jennifer Beals, Debbie Cooper, Brad Pitt, Nikki Park, Uncle Jesse, Emily N, Christy Carlson, Bridget Palude, Matthew McConaughey, Melissa Babs, Fonzie, Amanda Carricker, Kevin Bacon, Caitlin Ackerman, Zach Efron, Hillary Jurgens, Harrison Ford, Jenica Schopenhorst, Dylan O'Brien, Holly, Steve Martin, Lomans, Chad Michael Murray, Tracy, Michael J. Fox, Emily Sicklesteel. Oh, Emily wants to know if the Beast in Beauty and the Beast counts, and yes, it does. It it's sure already does. been read. Absolutely. Yeah. Amy Baker, Taylor Lautner. Woo! Welcome, Welcome to the Supreme Court. Everyone, thank you for hanging with us for yes. long yes. Court Absolutely. Thank you for all of your support. If you're looking for other ways to support us, please find us on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter. Instagram, Patreon. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen and then head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star rating and review. Then be sure to join us next week when I'll be an expert on a whole new topic. Podcast Adjourned! And now for a note about our process. 
I copy and paste from the best sources on the web and sometimes Wikipedia. So we owe a huge thank you to the real experts. I got my info from ChillingCrimes.com, an episode of Dateline, ABC News, WRAL News, and The Court Record. For a full list of our sources, visit LGTCPodcast.com. Any errors are, of course, ours, but please don't take our word for it. Go read their stuff. Woo!